match. There it is. Kefarshas Mishpatim, and we'll also do one from Parsha Shkalim too. Uh, look, we're going to be on page very first one, page Kuf Yeralef. These are the laws which I, which you shall place before them. Pirush Rashi, Rashi explains, Tasim Lifnehem, what does the Torah mean when it says, you shall place them before them? That's what God says to Moshe Rabbeinu. Kishulchan Ha'orach, like a set table. So everything is clear and laid out, it shouldn't be sloppy, it shouldn't be in a state of disarray, like what this halacha is, what that halacha is, but like a very nicely set table, everything in its place. Okay, why does the Torah, though, state that specifically by mishpatim, right? the, the, the laws of daily life, you know, damages and, and things like that? Ach, ki la'ashir seichel ha'anoshi, masig ha'mishpatim. It says, in that the human mind can comprehend the idea of mishpatim. Every society has mishpatim laws of damages, what do you do if you damage somebody's property? It's not a halacha, it's not a mitzvah which is outside of the realm of, of what people can relate to, right? It's not like shatness. It's not like a paraduma. Mishpatim. Everybody has that. Lizos, therefore, be, because people anyway would make those laws, srichim chizuk, emuna lezet. So therefore it requires emuna that this is what God wants. In other words, well, maybe, maybe it's just, okay, so like you said, it's four times a sheep, five times a cow. It doesn't really matter. It could be two times a sheep, three times a cow, right? It doesn't really need to be four and five. As long as you establish some system of justice, that's sufficient. You take somebody to court, etc. So therefore, mishpatim require more chizuk and more amuna, because they appear to be things that people would develop anyway. Leita and to know. That these are only an expression of God's will. As it says, Mishpat belongs to Hashem. So when it says Kefel, double, you pay double, God pays double, that means that has Ratzon Hashem in it, and we're doing it to be Mekayim Ratzon Hashem, just as we would when we don't wear wool and linen together or just as they would if we don't eat something that's not kosher. This, there's Ratzon Hashem in that, and that's why we're doing it. And we could explain the Pasuk that says, You, Hashem, have established straight and upright ways. The, the shot is that even that which appears to be straight and upright anyway, but the Indian is that that's what God wants. So you look back at that passage, you, Hashem, were, who, are the one who established these upright practices. Therefore it has a certain beauty and grace about it because God commanded it. And everybody testifies to its uprightness. Therefore, the seichel of a human being, when it comes to these laws, has to be batal 
before the, the command of God and to know we're not doing it because it's logical, so to speak. We're doing it because Hashem commanded these ways. That's what it means in front of you. It's more like above you, ahead of you. Right? These are the mishpatim. Put them ahead of you. You, you might think that you understand them anyway as laws in society. No, we're doing them because that's Ratzon Hashem. He commanded them. And therefore, lifnehem. They've got to be above us, ahead of us. They're much more than laws arranged by human beings. Any questions? Yeah, I'm clear. So, let's say, paying kefel um, in a situation, if I pay the kefel because I was guilty and mm -hmm. required to pay, mm -hmm. Am I fulfilling a mitzvah? Yeah. Yeah. So there is really, the Ghanaf is able to do some mitzvahs that the Saudi uh, uh -huh, can't. Uh -huh. It's an interesting... Uh, oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, is that a mitzvah? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, misunderstood. Okay. No, no, I, it is not a mitzvah, but it is, it is an obligation. Uh, it's it's a, it's not one of the Taryag mitzvahs to play Kefal or Dad. As far as I know, maybe I'm wrong. We should look it up in the Sefer Mitzvahs. But let, let's say that's correct. But it's a chiyu. It's a chiyu. It's, it's an obligation upon him from Hashem, and when he does that, he's mekayim ratzon Hashem. Yeah, so that's. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. He can do something then that somebody else who did the right but thing who yeah. can't do. Right. And maybe a little bit that may maybe maybe, maybe touch into. The idea of a bal teshuva, um, the chet becomes a mitzvah. Not that in a cheshbonus of things, the chet doesn't come a mitzvah, but in the cheshbonus of things, it becomes a mitzvah because he was he does something or we do something that you know um, a mitzvah that a tzaddik can't because you know he never did that over right. And maybe that's also what it means that a tzaddik can't stand in the same place of a bal teshuva. You know, thankfully, they've never done that. Yeah, and there is that chazal that if a person does tshuva, then the avera becomes a mitzvah. If they do it out of ava, if they do tshuva out of ava, the avera becomes a zechut. So if they do it out of yura, then it becomes like accidental instead of on purpose. But in hachinami, a, a higher form of tshuva could transform that. But some some of this form want to say even that that was Odom Harishon's cheshbon in the chait of the Eitz Hadash. That he wanted to do tshuva. Uh -huh. So he knew in order to do tshuva, he had to do an avera. So he was, he was trying to do an avera lishma. Wow. And some of this form bring down. And of course, the problem with that is it's a distortion of logic. And so that's only if we slip, you know, then. Otherwise, yeah, right, right. But otherwise, we're using, um, let me make sure to say it in the right way, we're using a mitzvah to do an Avera. Because I want to do tshuva, I will do this Avera. So that's a, a, a distortion of logic. If, if it happens, it happens. Then, I, then I've got to do tshuva. Yeah. And, that, and that's why I see with the Ganaf, I think when he steals stuff, it's not so much getting his extra bits, but he gets it by the pain as the Torah prescribes, he does chuba. He has an opportunity to come back on the right path. You know, actually, even if it's not a mitzvah to um, 
return, you know, the cave or the, or the Dalit Vehe. Let's say it's the Fiyuva, not a mitzvah. But nonetheless, there is still a mitzvah because Teshuva is a mitzvah. Teshuva is a mitzvah saseh, minatorah. Mitzvah saseh, minatorah. So anytime a person does an Avera, they now have the mitzvah saseh upon them of doing Teshuva. So your point, you know, your point is correct, really. That a person can do a mitzvah once they've done an Avera, and that mitzvah is Teshuva. But we have to be real careful with that, right? Otherwise, we're going to end up, uh, like, uh, like those four say, doing very bad things because we think we're doing it, you know, for a good purpose. Well, we'll have consequences. The other thing I thought when you said before that now I have to understand that better is the, uh, if we left it to man, then as you said, man could later determine, well, you know, there should only be two cows mm-hmm. and three mm-hmm. sheep or whatever. And right. So depending on the earthly ruler, he could decide to change at whim what the payments are. And God right. says, before me, this is this is the way it is all the time. Right. There is no change. Right. And as, as societies do, you know, you go, you go from in this country and the punishment's got to be different than in that country. But when it comes to the Torah's laws, it's across the board. Okay, Meshachon. Let's take a look at, uh, on page Kuf Yudbeis. If I want to slide that over so you can share with them. Page Kuf Yudbeis, third paragraph on the right. These are the laws which you shall place before them. So the diuk again is on that word lifnehem, before them. What does that mean? So he says from his rabbi, the simple bonim, Zatzal, that the laws of God should take priority over one's own life. So that's Lifnehem. This is even ahead of me. It's higher than me. Vizet Lifnehem. That's what it means, I share Tassim Lifnehem, that that's the level I have to look at HaKadosh Baruch Hu's laws at. Vuhu inyan hakdomas na'asa l'nishma. And that's the concept of saying na'asa before nishma, which means even though I don't grasp this right now, but this is what God wants, so it's more important than what I can or cannot understand. This is Hashem's right son right now. It has to be Lifnehem. Shahu Ayyidei, Messiris Nefesh. So one has to be willing to sacrifice, in this case, their own understanding or their own ego, because this is what God wants. And then when a person does that, the result of that, of course, is that they gain a level of understanding and comprehension. But in order to gain it, we first have to give it up. Yes, Toby. Neshama is, how do we spell Neshama? Nun Shin Mem Okay. You're looking at Nishma there? Right. Right. Yeah. Close. But no cigar. Nishma goes like learning also? Yes, it could be, because sometimes the word Shemua is related to learning, yeah. So we could say we will do And we will learn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could say that. Okay. Now... Uh, let me just find out where the next one is, because I, I did not get a chance to uh, mark it this morning. I think I went over from here to Shkalem. No, I've got one more in this part. Page Kufiya Dalit. Bottom right. Dalit? Yeah, Kufiya Dalit. Right hand side of the page, the very last one. Another short but powerful. Yidusha Haram. So the Torah says here, Mi Devar Sheker Tirfak. You shall distance yourself 
from falsehood. That's this interesting statement, right? The Torah does not say, don't tell a lie. It says, keep yourself distant from, which is more. That, that's more than saying, don't tell a lie. It's keep away from a lie. It's like saying you can't even get close. Get away from it. And that's what the Hidush Arim points out. Lo matzinu b'chol ha-Torah kula. We do not find in the entire Torah shehatorah atzma ta'aseh that the Torah itself makes the fence. Right? That's usually left up to the Chachamim. The Torah makes the law and Hashem says to the Chachamim, you make the siyag. You make the fences for Klai Yisrael. When it came to truthfulness or lying, then the Torah itself makes the siyag. Ve'ilu b'sheker, When it came to falsehood, the Torah itself made the boundaries. And it commanded us not only not to lie, but to keep away from it. Keep yourself at a distance from it. That's a big Kiddush. He's saying, therefore, when a person keeps himself distant from falsehood by making, you know, a barrier, it's, they're doing something that the Torah wants. It's, it's a min ha-Torah. Now, I can't say that it's a mitzvah essay min ha-Torah, although it seems like it would be from this, min ha-Shekher Turchak. So every time a person says, you know what? If I get into that situation, then I'm, I may, you know, I know myself, I'm weak, I may not tell the truth. So therefore, I'm not going to put myself in that situation. He's making a getter and a siyag for himself. By doing that, according to the Fidush Sharim, he's Mikhaim, maybe a mitzvah deoraisa, but if not, very close to a mitzvah deoraisa. That's what he says. Shesiyagim halalu min hatorahim. These boundaries are from the Torah. Do you have a comment? Well, it's tricky. This is a tricky one because you have you have the situations where you have the ends that uh, say justifying the means, such as. Um, situation of Messiah Snappish where you have a fast, uh, false passport right you're mm-hmm. escaping mm-hmm. your life is in danger mm-hmm. so surely you're going to say that you are this person which is mm-hmm. clearly a lie but it's only for the ends to live right um, Yaakov Avinu mm-hmm. so he has the you know the whole dialogue with Yitzhak which is tricky where he wants to get the brothers right so it, so I think if to not to take I guess the question is how do we understand this and where are what's you know where where's the delineation between yeah you certainly have to lie because if you don't the consequences it would be stupid right not to, you know? so it's like the setting limits has its limits <laughs> I mean Pekuach Nefesh is for sure person's allowed to lie to save their life and absolutely so you have the concept of a siyag around uh, keeping yourself away from Sheker and that, that boundary which is there. And you also have the concept of, however, there are situations where even that is removed. So not only the actual uh, siyag, but the, the real thing itself, the Sheker itself is overridden by Pikuach Nefesh. Mm-hmm. So the way I look at it is, is like this, that the Torah, which insists on honesty, sometimes has a situation where there's even a higher priority than honesty. Now there is a, a real slippery slope. 
right? And that's, I think, the difficult part of this question, that a person could justify lying because they're doing it for a greater purpose, right? And they end up doing things that are, that are not appropriate because of that. So I think it requires seichel, it requires yishu hadas, it requires a person to, to take counsel and to know when does the priority of, uh, of keeping distance from falsehood you know, take second place to whatever, whatever it might be? And to really be careful with it. Right, there, and then there's those situations where, let's say someone asks you something and for their benefit, you know, it could be devastating. Um, and I don't know, you know, let's say someone's on their deathbed and they say, you know, they say about another person, you know, I never could stand that person, right? And then, you know, it's their wife or something. And then, you know, you, and then, what did, did he say anything about me? You know, and you say, yeah, he couldn't stand you, <laughs> right? I mean, that would be devastating for that person. Right. So, so there's also uh, you, a person is supposed to be Mishan and Mishalom. That that's one of the priorities. And when it comes to Shalom, a person is allowed to be untruthful. Mm-hmm. Again, with a great deal of care. We learn it from the Rebbeinu Shalom himself, with Avram Avinu and Sarah Imenu. Mm-hmm. That Avraham, um, the first said to Hashem, so it said, how can I have children because my, my husband is old? Right? Then when Avraham heard from Hashem, Hashem said to Avraham that she said that she was old, uh-huh. not that Avraham was old. So Hashem was Mishana. Right? He changed what Sarah said because of Shalom, or Avraham and Sarah. So the Rebona Sholem himself, whose Chosam Emes, right? God's seal is truth, that's his Chosam. Right? There's still a situation which allows for it. So Pikuach Nefesh, yes. Shalom, also yes. But again, with a lot of carefulness. Because if a person is not careful, they would end up justifying a lot of lies for the sake of Shalom. You know? Like it's Shalom for me to get what I want. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Josh? I'm reminded of a, of a quick story. There was a, a brother who was a, there was a fellow who was a rob in Berlin, a monk, who had a brother who was a rob in England in, in the 30s when it was not safe to be a rob in Berlin. And he needed to get out of Berlin, but he didn't have any papers. So the brother in England sent him his passport because they look so so similar. Mm-hmm. So uh, Rabbi Monk got out of Berlin and as far as I think Paris. But then he, he telegraphed his brother. He says, how am I going to get out of here? He says, what do you mean? Use my passport to get to go to the rest of the way. No, to get out of Berlin was because of Nefesh, but after that, it's Shekhar used it. Yeah. That's Davka, that's, that's Davka this point. Yeah. Very, very nice illustration of this point. And how a person has to really pay attention to that. And that's, you know, that's a real act of greatness there. It would be so easy for him to, at that point to say, yes, yeah, it's, all, it's all part of the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's very honest. No, the very famous story about Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, that when he was a yeshiva bacher and they were drafting boys into the army, I don't know if the Russian army, the Polish army, whichever one it was, and uh, you know, you'd have to lie to get out of the army, and it was really dangerous. You could get into the army for 25 years, and it's trefus, and can't keep Shabbos, people have nefesh, I mean everything. And um, he came before the draft official, and they asked him how old he was, and he said his age, which was too young, and um, so the official said to him, you're lying. I know you're lying. So Rabbi Yaakov, who at that time was a teenager, he said to the draft official, he said, 
I'm not lying, and I have never told a lie in my entire life. And the man was so shocked and so convinced that he was telling the truth because of the way in which he said it that he let him go. Power of Emmet. Yes, yeah. Avi. Well, I was just thinking too, you know, when you think, when he, when he gave the example of Yaakov, which gets up, again, I would say it's situations where you know this will not affect you, it seems to me. We know that Yaakov stepped out and never did something like that again. Mm -hmm. And, and I think the caution I see here is things that you could easily fall into and it became a routine. Right. I did it once, right. somehow I got away with it, and as right. you said, it's good for me, so therefore I can continue this lie into other areas. Yeah. I also took it as avoid situations where you know the situation you're getting into is falsehood or shit, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. politics. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get too close to politicians. Because mm -hmm. in the end, it's not good. Right. I may be mistaken, it could have been that we saw it inside or it just may have come up in our conversation one of the years with Yaakov Avinu and the Brachos that his concern at the time, he knew what he had to do, he knew what he had to say, but his concern was that it shouldn't stick. Like he's an Ish MS, if he has to do this for the Brachos, he's going to do it, his mother told him to do it, but he was afraid that God forbid he would be tainted and it would stick. And he wouldn't be able to just do it for that situation and then drop it once it was over. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, yes, David. You're in a group of people. Yeah. You don't know that a lie is coming. Mm -hmm. Okay? So there's no way for you to distance yourself. So now the lie is on the table. Mm -hmm. Okay? And you, heard and, and you know it's a lie? And you know it's a lie. Okay. Okay? And then that lie starts some type of rumor that the other people begin to say, and they also implicate that you're part of the lie because you were there when that lie took place. <coughs> How does that get happen? Well, I think that you have a responsibility if that, if that does happen and if it gets put on the table and it's not truthful and you know it, that you have a responsibility to point it out right then and there. Now, barring some exceptional circumstances like maybe the public embarrassment of another human being, so there, there might be a better way to take care of it, like to tell each individual, you know, something like that. But barring something like that, then a person has to, you know, call it for what it is when it happens. Otherwise, it does spread. It's interesting. Yes, the says, not, not that you have to, that you should distance yourself from it as opposed to confront it. Right. Just, just get out of there, right? <laughs> and once we start to, you know, process it through our mind, we could end up rationalizing it, right? So just stay away from it. That's a very nice point. Also, yes. People, you know, I hate to say women because we're all men, but sometimes, you know, women don't. Uh, it age is an issue. You know, I'm right. not really this. Uh, you know, like I'm ten years younger than that, or whatever, right. or the weight thing. I mean, how serious are those? You want me to answer a question like that? This is Tikuach Let me take a look at where the mimer that I saw that I like. 
Sorry, I didn't mark it in. It'll just take me a moment. Here it is. Uh, page Kufi at Zion. Also, bottom right. So we're coming up to Parsha Shkalem here this week, the first of the four special Parshios, the Dal Parshios. Shabbos Zeh Hu Yakor Ma'od. This Shabbos is very precious. Shehatipa Chayim Shenosnim La'adam Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippurim Vesokos. You got that, Kufi Zayin? Bottom right there. One more, one more page. No, the other way. There it is. Is that missing the page? There it is. So this Shabbos is very precious because the drop of life which is given to a person on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot, Boer Bekirbo, it's burning within him. Isn't that? Beautiful line. And in these months, meaning Ador and Nisan, Humotzi Mikoach El Hapoel, we take that burning drop within us of life, and now it comes into fruition and it manifests itself in Ador and in Nisan. I even think that the Hakdama for that is to be Shvat, because that's in the month of Shvat before Nisan where the fruits start to blossom. These two months, Adar and Nisan, is the same concept in Elo the Tishrei as Elo and Tishrei are. So there, in that time of year, Elo precedes Tishrei. Here, Adar precedes Nisan. Rak ba'adar v'Nisan hu b'simcha. In Adar and Nisan, the Avoda here is b'simcha. Ve'Elo v'Tishrei hu ba'ema u b'yura, where the Avoda there is with awe and with fear, with, uh, with great um, awe of our Kodesh Baruch So the idea then is that whatever we gain then, as far as life, right, that concentrated drop of life, which is just simmering on the inside of us, waiting to be expressed, now, with the beginning of this Shabbos, Parsha Shkolem, it starts to happen. And the expression of that life um, occurs. Uh, it's interesting to me that that's a time of simcha, right? that the creation of that tipa is through yira. That's what creates the tipa. The expression of that tipa into the world, that's done with simcha. So I, f- I find that very, very insightful, because sometimes in order for a person to express themselves creatively, there's got to be joy there. If there's no simcha, we're all you know restrained and we're held back. Simcha is a great... A vehicle which allows a person to express themselves, maybe sometimes overly so, but if it's done in the right way, then it's done by Kedusha. Question? I have a comment. Yes, David. <coughs> you know, I was just thinking about this. I was reading in the newspaper about there was some telescope which found the new galaxy. Right, the furthest galaxy, I think they said. Right. right. And they talked about, you know, how long would take to get there. Again, it's a huge amount of time. Right. And um, 
the uh, what struck me was is that these that people scientists normal people um, don't we have a hard time living with the concept of infinity because that's what God is there is no limit God is limitless and I think that for a human being to exist um, well I think it's difficult for people to exist I think it's because of that because infinity creates this concept of you know what am I or I don't matter or the, the universe is so big in, it's, in Judaism it's just the opposite you know okay the universe is big okay we know that given but now here we are as people what are we supposed to do with our lives how within that context okay we know there's infinity let's not worry about that but here we are as you know and so we have a choice of how we experience life what we do with life and I think that it's interesting that Judaism continues to say simple, you know, in Kedusha, that we, that if we focus on those things, that a lot of the other issues that bother us will go away. They just won't matter to us. And that led me to, to the thought of, you know, the guys that don't watch television and kind of eliminate that stuff from their lives, what is that stuff? It's junk. It really is junk. I mean, why do people even bother to create it? You know, we have so, really, in the concept of the universe, we have so little time, it's so big, why make junk to fill that time? And um, anyway, that was my thought. Okay. <laughs> Good thought. Let's see that, that drop from Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. It's starting, it's starting to come out. I guess we're going to give that. Dumps, very nice. The dumpsters will be here soon. <laughs> for your TVs, you can just dump them all out. We're going to make that. Track just for Abram. There you go. Nice, Ellie. We have time for another one that looks intriguing. Which one is it? The last one on Cook, you design the... I will say it, but just remember that I have not looked at it first, so that's the, the caveat, and we'll see how it goes. Ha'arva parshios, these four parshios coming up, special parshios, him kamo arba parshios shel tefillin. They are like the four parshios that are inside of tefillin. Ve'hem mishachin b'choshona v'shona. And each year, they are renewed. What's the purpose of sometimes having a break between the four special Shabbos? There always is, because you always have a Havsaka. They're not four in a row. There's a break here and a break there sometimes. So what's the Havsaka? That's in order to allow a person to reflect. The person wants to reflect upon what just happened. They have to have Revach. Revach means that you're taking space, you're taking a break. And the symmetry is in, in like um, the partios of Krishna, right? Yes. Revah, is, we learn that out. Oh, is that there? No, I, I, I don't know if that's there. I know how Kodesh Baruch Hu, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu says to Hashem, why is there uh, a Revah? And it's in, in, in the Torah itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lav Dafka Shema, just the whole, the whole way through. Okay. There's, you know, a uh, partios, and Hashem says to Moshe, that's to reflect upon what was just said. Okay, so I don't know what he means by this, but as a person goes into the power of understanding of Bina, so too they give him Ravach. So I think what he means is this. If a person takes the effort to try and understand something, so who says you're then going to be given the time to reflect upon it? Maybe you'll never get the time. 
So he says, as a person puts himself into Bina, trying to grasp what Hashem wants and Torah, so too they will give him the Revach to be able to understand it. So it will follow. Beshuva v'nachas tivashin. As it says, you will be saved with uh, nachas, with joy. Yes, Helen? Uh, when I first read it, I had a different thought. Please. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, that line, that like a person draws himself after Bina, so he is given, accordingly, he is given revach, like in the sense of the expansiveness. That's the way I thought of it. Well, the, the second part is... Uh, is what, I, what I'm saying, that they give him Reva. Right. But Nimshach is Nifa, so it's he's drawn after. Mm-hmm. It's, cl- it's similar. Similar. Right. They give him Reva to be able to reflect upon what he learned. I think I thought of it as describing a certain internal state that came as a consequence of that contemplation, shall we say. I'm not sure what you're saying, Al. Um, you said if a person is nimshah, he's drawn after Bina. Right, just as he is drawn after Bina, right, he puts his effort that, into that it, right? Revach is given to him like a gift, like a psychological yeah. gift. Yeah, the Revach, that is what I'm saying, that okay. the Revach does come to him, min ha-shamayim. Uh-huh. If he puts the effort into it, min ha-shamayim, they will give him the Revach to be able to reflect upon it. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Ukesiv menucha ukedusha. And as it says, Menucha Ukedusha, I assume that's talking about by Shabbos. Vumehastam Nucha Lahasig Kedusha Meha Menucha. It says, Minhastam, which means most likely. The person is able to grasp or to comprehend Kedusha from Menucha. And to that moment of Revach, of resting, of reflection, is Molid Kedusha. It puts forth kedusha. Velo amenuchas melacha bilvad. It's not only when a person takes a break from actual physical labor. Neamar asuya. As it says on Shabbos, a person should see it as if all their work is done. Ela afilu lechol dover shalom es atzmo neamar. Even on anything where a person seems to be taking a break from his work, it is said. Again, I don't know what he means there. While Shabbos parsha shkalem ne'amar, shemosh rabbeinu alavashalom, zokev es roshan shal Yisrael. That's just a midrash that he brings down a few times earlier, that every time parsha shkalem comes around, Moshe Rabbeinu there in Shemayim, he lifts up the heads of the Jewish people. Right? Beautiful midrash. I'll just quote it for a minute because he... He brings it back in one of the previous mimers. It says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe, just as you are standing now, lifting up the heads of the Jewish people, meaning back then, and giving them shkalim, so too you will lift up their head every single year when they read this parsha. So in Shemayim, at this point, Moshe Rabbeinu is there being zokef, uplifting the heads of the Jewish people, giving us that feeling of, of dignity. Hainu shehu zokef osan litain lahem nesiyus rosh shayuchlu liyashev es atzman that Moshe Rabbeinu is giving us an uplifted head meaning that that special feeling of, of dignity so that a person will be able to do it themselves that's I think very also very powerful insight you know sometimes you just say to somebody just, just get it together just pull yourself together but well, they can't 
They can't. Something happened. They can't. So if we put forth the effort to lift them up, then it's not only a band-aid, but it gives them the ability to do it on their own. So when we're, when we're ready to you know, step out, they're able to do it on their own. Yes, Haim Khunin. It's filling Shalrosh, maybe it's the Segulo for that. No, it's in the um, parallel here between the Da Parshas and the Dalada yeah. Shabbasis. Uh, yeah. <coughs> Except for 6.30 minute, you have to have your head out <laughs> So maybe the co-op of Tefillin, you know, accomplishes that for somebody. I'll go up and see if I can get okay, a tent. Okay, if we got a tent, we can dab mentally. Yeah, great. Okay, I should go out, gentlemen.